was she Firefly or was she somebody? Um, you know what? From when I first read this, I can't actually remember. It left that little impression. <laughs> oh, Paul, this is very unprofessional. I'll tell you what, can we just skip this bit of news? <laughs> <laughs> I'll just edit. Can we keep this in, though? Can we keep no. this in? <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> we find out things just aren't fucking interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Who fucking cares? These supergirls. <laughs> this is the intro. This is the intro. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Movie Chef podcast where we make a meal out of movies. Uh, I'm your host, Tebs. Uh, slightly delayed episode this week, but who was it this week? Chelsea Atletico? Yeah, that was part of the reason. That was one of the reasons, but there was a lot of stuff happening. You know, things were going on in the world. You know, we felt that it was, you know, best to watch a football match before we... Yeah, 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 one of the things. No, there was another few of the bits, but we'll come to that very soon. But uh, that, of course, this is, of course, my uh, executive host, uh, Carl Mack. You've... Uh... Hello. <laughs> Hello and welcome. <laughs> thanks, thanks for coming. <laughs> You've, uh, you've just been telling me you've been on cleanse. Do you like that segue? You, have you been cleansed? I have decided. Well, I've decided that I'm going back to work soon. So I don't know when I'm going back to work, but I've decided that instead of, you know, blobbing myself through the front door, you know, fucking fat rolls coming up, I've decided that uh, I want to try and lose a bit of weight. So I not really going on a diet. It's literally just stop eating shit, you fat cunt diet. Is it, you could write one of those really. self help books. Open the page. Yeah, well, stop I, I, you know, eating I've, shit, you fat cunt. Oh, okay. You name it. I that I have been on that diet. You you name it. I, the Atkins diet. I've been on the egg diet. I've been on the cucumber water diet. I've been, yeah, you know, everything, every single diet that a human being can potentially be on, I've been there. Didn't you go through a phase where you were liquidizing all your food and having soup? Everything, everything. <laughs> I was souping the soup diet, the blender diet, the fucking pulsar diet, fucking fruit diet. You name it, I have been on it. And what, like, you know yourself, I was, a, I, in, in university, I was a, a very large gentleman. Uh, with a very fat head i seen a picture of myself you know a few years back with a very very big head i think my head has got a lot smaller but when i I got back i think that's genetic by the way because no well i I don't have i don't have you fuck off my son does not have a fat (laughs) head yeah yeah, he does okay right but i got back i got back in university right and moved to belfast and i decided i wanted to lose weight right now i did it in a very unhealthy way i i stopped eating and I drank red wine, and that was the diet. So I would have the odd meal, you know, here and there every few days. But within a year, I think I was 23 stone in university. And within a year, I was down to 13 and a half stone. Jeez. So I, I, yeah, I zipped right down. Like I was, I was completely, now I looked real bad. 
So I gained a wee bit more weight back. So I kept my natural weight to about 14 and a half, 15 stone. You know, I'm a tall guy as well. I'm six foot two, you know, so I'm a, you know, I'm a built kind of person. So I, around that, I was happy and that was me. Then I met my missus and she had a go get pregnant. And then when she was eating shit, I ate shit. So my, my weight went up to 16 and a half, 17 and a half. Then growing up and of a child growing up and then we bastards always eating fucking crap. Um, you know, and there's crap everywhere. That's the one thing that they never tell you about fucking having kids. There's crap everywhere. There's fucking shit everywhere. You just decide to eat it. So I weighed myself a few, and I will not say what weight I was, but I weighed myself about a week ago and I was mortified. Uh, so I decided that I would go on a cleanse. And from last Saturday until now, I have dropped five pounds. Nice. Today's Wednesday. Again, but yeah, and again, it's I'm I'm not starving myself. I'm not, you know, I'm having a breakfast, a lunch, and a dinner. You know, I'm drinking water. I'm drinking fucking, you know, four to five liters of water, you know, every day. And I'm walking at least ten thousand steps a day. At least. Welcome to Comics Fitness. I just realised it's coming to the podcast for the one show. I'm definitely the girl. And next up is Chris Akabusi talking about zebra crossings. Well, do you ever get to a zebra crossing? I don't know what you're doing there. So we've had some trailers this week. Let's talk about the one that's kind of meh. Uh, Cruella, the 1970s tale of uh, how the villain of 101 Dalmatians came to be with Emma Stone. And uh, yeah, how many more of these are they going to do? Well, this is, this is what Disney do now. You know, so what they do is they create a piece of content. Uh, then they remake the, the content in a different way, a la, we'll make it in a 3D way, or we'll make it in a, a standalone 2D way, or we'll make it in a live action way. And then the next one is, what else can we do? Let's buy up all <laughs> the opposition. Let's buy them all up and own all their IPs. So we'll buy all those up. And what else can we do? Let's go back on the characters and do early life. Yay! And then you you, you know in 10 years' time, there's going to be a 92-year-old movie of fucking Cruella DeVille going around the old folks' home. Do you know what? There is. It's called Descendants, the musical, because they're trapped on an island. All the bad guys are trapped on the island, and it's about their kids. And they're, yeah, they fucking already have. Sorry. Um, yeah, sorry. <laughs> That's it. Thanks, everyone. Thanks very much for coming. Yeah, uh, Tune in next week. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, look, I'm not excited for this. It's another one of these, like you say, it's just another thing. We've got, uh, we had Maleficent, and it's this kind of need to, um, you're creating an anti-hero. What, yeah. Why are we going to get behind this character? It's like people are going to go see it because it's Emma Stone in Post Frocks. And ultimately, we need to find out how she wants to make a fur coat out of dogs. That's well, it. That's I, will, I, I will say one thing. Emma Stone plays bad good. Yes. That makes sense? That makes sense? Yeah. Yeah. She's, she's, a, very, she's a very good, subtle, bad guy. Girl. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds bad as well. Bad <laughs> she's, girl. Oh, she's, a bad, she's a bad person. Bad person. Uh, speaking of bad people, Ooh. we finally had a very real trailer for Mortal Kombat. 
uh, New Line Cinemas release on April 16th on HBO Max and cinemas not everywhere in the UK because cinemas are going to be open. I know. So we have to wait a month and a half after this comes out in America. Where, so where is it on in the UK? It's not uh, the recent... Um... Well, fuck me! Harvey <laughs> <laughs> oh, is. Look, but this is going to be one I'm going to donate a tenner to a local indie cinema. I'm just going to post them some money and say, look, I, I, don't, I want to watch Mortal Kombat guilt-free. So if it <laughs> paying up for a ticket for somewhere, you know, I'm just going to absolve my sin. Anyway, this looks fantastic. I have, I'm so looking forward to this one. And I love how it showcases Sub-Zero. I love how it showcases each character in particular. I mean, this is, I think it's setting Sub-Zero up as kind of like the lead bad guy, but it's not. There's something else going on here. But it starts off around this character, Cole, who's a new character that's created for the film. And he's like the audience, you know, way into seeing this universe. But I would not be amazed to see him revealed as Johnny Cage in the end. Yeah, I would. I was thinking exactly the same thing. And one other thing that that annoyed me as well was when he like showed his chest and went, "It's a birthmark." Really? <laughs> you you think that that's a birthmark? It's like having you know Brad Pitt's fucking face on your back, tattooed on your back, and then turn around going, "Yeah, that's that's a birthmark." No, it's not. It's very obviously a dragon. Like it's it's like detail. It's very obviously a dragon, sir. But look, I mean, we've seen this. So we've got Kano, we've got Goro, we've got very brief glimpses of Kung Lao. Um, I think Jax, there was a Raiden, Jax, pretty much sets Jax up as I think we're seeing his arc, as it were, have come from man who've having his, his arms. <laughs> that's good. That's the opening scene, isn't it? That's the opening. That's the opening fight. Jax has tracked down Sub Zero and he loses them. But the moves, I mean, I was like, just listen, listen just say it. Just say it. We all want to say it. Slitting the guy's throat, making the fucking blade out of the out of the blood, and trying to stab him with it. That's it. That's, That's the movie. It. They they could do that for an hour and a half, and I would be entertained. Like, how many ways can Sub Zero drain blood out of people and create stuff? Actually, that could be the, that could be the sequel. But the move, uh, the move. What was it? They it does the slide. And it sends the wall, yeah. ice wall up and then throws somebody through. That's a classic Mortal Kombat move. And for all the original was campy fun that had references to the games, this is just going full on. This knows exactly what it needs to be doing. And I'm I'm so looking forward to this. So. so do you believe that they'll step away from video games that there will not even be a, a, a like a wee wink to the camera go, uh-huh, uh-huh. What you think they're going hundred percent I think it's hundred percent sort of serious. I don't think I would say so as well. Yeah, I, I think I don't even think there'll be things like the friendships, you know, in Mortal Kombat One, the film when mm. Johnny Cage kills Scorpion and leaves the photo behind. Yeah, a friendship fatal. I don't think they're doing that. I'm. Uh, I think they're going all in with it. Got full. It, they've got a lot of world to build, and from mm-hmm. some of the characters that are in there, there's a lot that could be going on. Which I think, if you've seen, if you played the games and you know who the characters are. You're great. You can go straight in and enjoy a Mortal Kombat story. But if you don't know who Liu Kang is, who Scorpion is, Sub Zero, why can you see his eyes? What's he doing? Shang Tsung was there and every, you know, not even mentioned how much of an impact he'll have on the story. So I think if you're new going into it, I don't think you're going to have a clue what's going on, which is where it's yeah. going to, which is why it won't make money at the box office. It'll be a great video game film, but it won't make any money because people will watch that 
who is not a Mortal Kombat fan, they'll watch that and not have a clue. But I'm, I'm no, see, I, I disagree. I disagree. I, I think that the, uh, I think John Wick has kind of changed everything for, for, you know, the appetite for an action movie and the appetite for, you know, those kind of, uh, you know, hands instead of guns movies. I know, I know John, John, you know, John Wick does have guns like, but I believe, I believe this, this in any other year could have been an, an absolutely monumental movie money wise. Well, I think it, the way it's going to get its positive reviews are by how well it handles the the nods and winks of the games. You know, the get mm-hmm. over here, the the even transition moves. You know, going from one area fighting, you know, and punches him through yeah. the ceiling. You know, but you see that's even things like that. That's another. That's another question that I was going to say to you. Do you think that there are nods to the game in the trailer? Right, I can. You can see them get over here and all that shit. Like yeah. you know, you can see them. Oh, you can see them already in the trailer. Do you think that they've just overdubbed? stuff like that into the trailer just to get the gamers who love Mortal Kombat's attention. Oh no, no, that's I think that's 100%. It's based around these games. They're 100% taking everything. They're selling it. And this is what I'm saying. The the people who watch this film and go people who watch, know the games and watch this film and all the little nods and winks and all the bits they recognize from these last 20 years of games, they'll love it for it. And I think it it, it looks a fantastic film. It looks just like it needs to be. But the people who don't know the games won't recognise all those little nods and winks. So I don't think yeah. they'll get much enjoyment, which is where it might stuff it. Look, anyway, either way, it's I'm so looking forward to this. And I just wish cinemas were open. But according to the British uh, locked, route out of lockdown, UK cinemas aren't going to be open until at least May 17th. Jesus. Which also means Black Widow is due to come out in the UK on May 7th. Now, the government's own lockdown procedure says not until the 17th for cinemas, which means Black Widow is probably going to be delayed again. Uh, well, yeah, in, in the UK, yeah. Um, but, you know, we, we don't know, obviously, what stance America has on, on the opening of the cinemas. Uh, that's true. That's true. I don't know, but... Uh... I, and as we know, as we know, this day and age. If, if, if there's a chance, if there's a chance for that movie to come out in America, it will come out in America anyway, regardless of of anything else. But in this day and age, you've got that risk of if say it's out in a month, a month before the UK, it's out in mm-hmm. America. You've got Facebook, you've got Twitter, you've got message boards, any big plot spoiler, and there will be one, something will be considered a plot spoiler will be spoiled and it'll get around the internet and people will decide not to go see the film. So you've got to release it around the same day. You have to in this day and age or else you just kill one of the markets who don't get it early and they know what happens. Yeah, I suppose. Well, speaking of the MCU, uh, there's a rumour online which is either absolute bollocks or it could be really nailed on true. Uh, Jennifer Lawrence is apparently being cast as Sue Storm for the MCU's Fantastic Four. Um, part of the rumor was that she was seen flying to Toronto, where <laughs> she she flew. Apparently, she flew. She took off. <laughs> she took off from the middle of the park and just launched herself towards Toronto. No, um, I don't know about you, but I think she should be cast as Supergirl. Well, we'll come on to that. Uh, we'll come on to that shortly. But Jennifer Lawrence, for me, I, I just don't. I've never enjoyed. I've never gone into anything and thought, "Wow, Jennifer Lawrence was great in that." She acts well, but... No, I, 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 
not a popular opinion, but I I enjoyed um, Hunger Games. I enjoyed the three series or the three movies of Hunger Games. I didn't. I've, I, I didn't read the books again. I've seen them no. once. I've never gone back to watch any of them again. No, I watched them again over the over the lockdown. I I, I, I genuinely didn't mind them. I don't mind Jennifer Lawrence as an actress. Um, you know, now again, it 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 brings up the question of, you know, how much how much winking and nodding do we need to give to Marvel and the MCU and X Men? You know, I, I don't. It, it, you I, can't I, I, have that many people who are in the X Men films not get parts in the MCU. I know, you know that all but those I mean, actors now who are available. But, and it's always but going to how be confusing. But how fucking confusing is that going to be? Like, okay. you imagine, you imagine somebody who isn't who isn't up with MCU or anything out there. So in five years' time, somebody turns fifteen and decides, you know what, I want to try and go back and watch X Men, and you know, all oh, right, but which X Men? Oh, this is the first X Men. Oh yeah, but then the Brian Singer's one, and then oh, so the, then Brett Ratner's one, and then oh yeah, and so then they went at last. Oh yeah, and then and then Brian Singer came back, and so what do we do? We retroactively don't. Oh yeah, so Brett Ratner's one it doesn't exist anymore, right? Okay, okay. Hold on. Why is the mystique fucking <laughs> why is mystique now and what? Like I know it's not for somebody who has grown up with the movies and know the plot devices and know what's going on and reading about Marvel, you bet it's a fucking head melt. I I know from personal experience, if you've said to somebody, Do you want to go see this film, MCU film, that person has asked. Is is that the one with Batman in it? <laughs> now you imagine, you imagine. Well, well, was it? <laughs> no, it wasn't. It was a different one. But they actually meant Batman the character. So you're in, in, you're trying to attract people to see these films, and some of them, everyday, quite intelligent people who don't follow MCU, are asking whether Batman's going to show up in a Marvel film. And I'm not belittling that. You know what I mean? I'm not taking the piss. Yeah, no, I get it. The everyday people who don't follow this stuff will not know, and you're absolutely right. But me personally, more look to put Jennifer Lawrence in. I thought Hunger Games. I wasn't particularly enamoured by her. I don't think she was strong. Lovely bones. Hunger was... Games. Hunger Games. More like shit games. So, what do you think about Edgar Wright uh, signing on to direct uh, the Running Man reboot that's coming? <sighs> no. Any of the aficionados of the Movie Chef podcast will know that Running Man was one of my movies that I chose in the Arnold Schwarzenegger menu. An um, outstanding movie, probably one uh-huh. of I say my top in my top five Arnie films. I, it is in my top three. Ooh. Total uh-huh. Recall, Total Recall, yes. Running Man, yes. Terminator Two, no. Bastard. True Lies, motherfucker. True Lies. Of True course, lies. we did a whole episode on it. True lies. So yeah, this is actually going to be um, again. It's like Total Recall, where it remade the book instead of the film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, it's more you know more akin to the original story. Uh, Edgar yeah. Wright is going to be directing the story of Ben Richards, who um, takes part in a violent game to be able to earn money uh, to save uh, a relative who's sick. And it's actually a pan-global film. It, it takes place across the whole world. It's been hunted down or what have you. Uh, apparently, it's a lot more darker than the movie, if that's possible. It's a lot more, uh, <laughs> much more of a dystopian universe, but, rather, yeah, than comedy, but, but, rather than the, the comedy, future... <laughs> saturated world of the uh, 
Schwarzenegger's Running Man. But you can't say that Running Man was a dark movie because futuristic aspects in an 80s movie are never dark. They're always fucking ridiculous. Like any Arnie movie as well, like any art future Arnie movie, like it's always fucking ridiculous and it's always as if it's like fucking neon synth music. That's that, and that's all I ever think about as a future Blade movie. Runner. Blade Runner's got a lot of tons of fun for that. Yeah, it's also a great movie. That's is it the not- answer. Do you know what? Ridley Scott would just go, there's your fucking answer, Paul. There's Mr. Chef, there's is your it- fucking answer. And then it- he would take a shit on you. Can I just can I put this out there? Blade oh, Runner. Don't. Blade Runner is not as good as everybody makes out. Ah, uh, no. I'm just saying that. You're you're just trying Watch to be again. controversial. Watch it again. I've watched it several <laughs> times. I've watched the original. I've watched the director's cut. I've watched it a lot. Watch it again. <laughs> All right. <laughs> this time. Let's go minds. forward. Let's go forward. Let's go forward 24 hours. We're back now. Yeah. Listen, Paul, I've watched it again. You're right. It's shit. <laughs> <laughs> Last 30 years have been a complete life. I, I don't know what the fuck. I, was, I don't know what I was thinking. You know, fuck's sake. <laughs> <laughs> bastard Ridley Scott. <laughs> <laughs> um. Have you seen Train to Busan? Do you know what? I haven't. Ah, You're missing out on an absolute gem. Do you like zombies? What do you mean? Like romantically? (laughs) Do you dig them? You know, do you know this sort of thing? Yeah. You know, I'm not a big horror movie fan, um, but I I enjoy a movie that, if you're telling me it's a zombie movie with lots of fucking deadly kills and shit they got there, I'll watch it. If you're telling me that it's a zombie movie that's subtle and there's a zombie in it who is like into Shakespeare and you know shit like that, I'm not into it. I want to um, if it's if it's a zombie movie, I want to see fucking zombies like like Walking Dead. Like when Walking Dead was good in the first like, two and a half seasons, and then it decided to be some introspective fucking look into society, and you're like, just just let me see zombies ripping people apart. That's all I want to see. I don't give a fuck about the storyline. Well, think of... There's Shakespeare reading zombies in this movie, isn't there? That's where you're hesitating. (laughs) Think of uh, The Walking Dead Mm -hmm. meets Under Siege 2. Beethoven. (laughs) Meets Under Siege 2 meets... Just watch it. In fact... Well, listen, Paul. I'm gonna, I'm gonna just say this right now. You, you've already got me. <laughs> you've got, you got me with Under Siege Two. Under Siege Two meets Walking Dead meets Snakes on a Plane. No, I'm pulling back now a wee bit because Snakes on a Plane was fucking shit. No, no, that's just lots of bad things on <laughs> in one confined space. <laughs> I was trying so to what subtly you te- guide so what you. To tell, what you're telling me is it's a movie with Steven Seagal on a train with zombies. I'm in. <laughs> you know what? Now imagine Chris, uh, Steven Seagal speaking Korean. We're not that far away. <laughs> oh, well, here, listen. I'll I'll put this out. If anybody wants to listen to it, I'll, I'm going to mention this podcast again because it is so great. Um, Behind the Bastards did a two part series on Steven Seagal, and it is fucking wild, wild, <laughs> wild, Paul. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, Train to Busan has actually got uh, has been signed up for a English language remake. 
has well let's go like let's think of the english english language remakes of like korean or japanese or chinese movies um what's been good ring was ring good no you would well, know more of them than i would though a little bit no i want better than the original one better than the original japanese one well i'm not saying that but wreck was that the, that was a remake as well wasn't it uh, almost a shot for shot remake. Um, oh, it was a cycle remake. Almost, but it was like the American one. I think had did it have that bird from Dexter in it, or it had somebody who had been in like CSI or Dexter or something like that as one of the leads. So mm-hmm. it kind of took you out of it when you watch the Spanish one. You're just like you're watching a found footage of a well, that's a zombie in a <laughs> apartment building. But nah, that ruined it for me. What what else have they done? I mean, if they haven't done um, well, you could say Hunger Games is a remake of um, Battle Royale, but no, this one's getting an English language remake. Um, again, it's a gentleman's Timo Tajananto. <clears throat> Timo Tajananto. Yes. Um, a, have you just made that name up, or is that a real name? <laughs> I think I've Timo T J A H J A N T O. Okay. Okay. God, I do apologise, Timo. Um, <laughs> Sorry. Are you drunk? <laughs> a little bit. I've just. It's been a long week, and it's only Wednesday. Um, look, you haven't Jesus seen this. Is Wednesday? I thought it was Sunday. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> Fuck. We always do this on a Sunday. <laughs> Oh, fuck me. Oh, I've got to rethink my life. <laughs> so, look, in fact, I'll tell you what, right? Your homework for Sunday for our next episode, you're watching Train to Busan. Okay. And we're going to discuss that on our next episode. Nice. Uh, so, yeah, that's about it. So, we're going to get a remake of that. So, we'll tell you what we think about, uh, well, Cormac will tell you what he thinks about getting an English language remake of Train to Busan when we watch that next week. Wonder, wonder, vision. <laughs> Wonder Vision. <laughs> I can't even remember this. This was like nearly a week do you know ago. What? Do you know what? I was going to say the same thing. To you. I bet you don't remember a fucking thing. Um, there was a circus. Yeah, and it was like um, it was like Modern Family mm-hmm. and Recreation. Mm-hmm. It's paying homage to television that we watch every day. Um, which was really clever and innovative. Um, and spoiler alert, we found out that witches are real. Witches. Agatha. See, I, I never I never really cottoned on to the fact that she was never referred to as Scarlet Witch. Um, in Age of Ultron, it said that witch is messing with your mind. Yeah, in, but that was it. Way, yeah. In the same way that the girl like Whoa, that guy was such a flash. Uh, <laughs> I couldn't think of, that's why I'm not a professional writer. <laughs> Here, yes, you fucking are. <laughs> so come on then. What what did we learn? Um, well, obviously, again, spoiler alert. Um, we learned that Agnes is Agatha Harkness. Yep. So she is a super duper powerful witch. Um, and she has a lot of history with uh, Scarlet Witch and her kids and Vision. Um, we also kind of got a little glimpse at a lot of subtle things about Mephisto. Yeah, uh, I think so. Yeah. So I think, again, <clears throat> as I think we spoke about it a few times, th- this is the introduction to 
the multiverse, and this will be a direct component to uh, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. The one thing that sealed it for me, I can't remember where I saw it, and uh, this person, you know, it's um, obviously a theory, but there's an awful lot of things in this series that refer to hexes, the number six and hexagons and, and whatnot. So you've got the beekeepers, mm-hmm. you've got the, the hex, the whole thing called the hex, which is hex. You've got hexagonal shapes here, there, and everywhere. You have clocks that didn't have a number six on, if I think right. Yeah. And one of the main things um, was the book at the end of the episode, and somebody pointed out that it looked very similar to a book that was missing from Doctor Strange's sanctum at the beginning, you know, where all the other spell books were kept. In right, one of okay. The, an empty there was an empty spot and all those cha- books were held in chains in the shape of hexagons in Dr. Strange's, you know, in the, I can't remember the name of the sanctum, you know, Camantage, is it? Camantage, yeah. yeah. Uh, it, it was in there, but there was <clears throat> chains around the books were in hexagons. So I think the going, you know, you could, in the same way that in Infinity War, Robert, Down, uh, Robert Down, Iron Man referred to uh, Dr. Strange as the wizard. Hey kid, go get the wizard. Well, if you have wizards, you can have witches. All they're doing is using spells, the same as Doctor Strange does. Yeah. So I think very much we get, this is going down the whole sort of magical. It's bringing magic into the forefront of the MCU, and it's it's got a heavy lot of heavy lifting to do. I must admit, it's it's picked up. The first two or three episodes, I think we were. It has. Yeah, that it just felt like it was just. But that's again too much. Yeah, I think that me and you spoke about this like on the first week about it, right? And my main problem is I don't see why we need to have like in a nine episode series arc. I don't understand why we have to have five or six episodes of exposition. Like a gen, like we already are accustomed to the Marvel universe. We're not. It's not fucking Twin Peaks. You know, we're not watching a David Lynch TV show here. We're watching an MCU, um, you know, official TV series which leads into a movie. I, I, yes, I get it, building suspense and all that, but let's be brutally honest. If you're a Marvel fan, you're going to watch this TV show regardless of what is in it, right? And that's where we all, you know, fall to the wayside. Even how shit it is, we'll watch it. Yeah, because I want to know the next bit of the story. Yeah, but but the problem with that is as well is, you know, we're, they're not posting up for new fucking fans. Either you're a fan of Marvel, you're not. You know, even, you know, and I remember a story that I read that, you know, there's people, there's three people in the world who can go wherever they want in the deepest fucking jungles in South America and people will look at them and go, ah, Michael Jackson. Well, yeah. yeah. Or, ah, Princess Diana. Yeah. Or, ah, David Beckham. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? They can go anywhere they want in the world and they would be known. We're not, I, I just hate this whole kind of subtext of, we're gonna play with the audience a wee bit. We're gonna we're gonna fill like and and do you know what? Sorry, they're sorry to keep going on. Go on. But the most annoying thing about about one division to me is the fact that this episode in particular, it said that it ran for forty seven minutes on the Disney Plus box, the bottom left hand corner or bottom right hand corner. Played for thirty six minutes, and there was a, 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 obviously apart from the the, the ten second you know credit sequence. There was 10, 11 minutes of credits, and that was all put into the actual runtime of the show, and that right. fucking pissed me off. It's um, Yeah, the, the annoying thing for me is I want to go see the films and want to know what's going on. 
I don't want to feel like I'm left out of anything, which might yeah. be more psychological about me than anything. But I don't want to be missing out on a joke. I don't want to be missing out on a story element or a who, who's that or because I, I, I've, I'm hooked now. It's like playing the lottery every week. I know the numbers, so I have to keep mm-hmm. playing. If I don't play and I win, I'll be pissed off. So if I go to see Spider-Man 3 and suddenly Doctor Strange comes running through, arm in arm with Wanda, how the fuck did that end up? Yeah. And this, and like you said about the exposition and the runtime, I feel that this film, this TV series could have been done as a film. So, yeah. and if it, and if the, the series probably costs as much as making a film, they've done it purely to stretch a story out. And it's a very thin story, what they've done so far, very thin. Uh, and the annoying thing with me is I have to keep watching it. Yeah. But, uh, and that's that I'm hooked now. And I'm, I'm there with you. I'm like a wrestling fan. You watch WWE every week. It's some of it is crap, but I have to keep watching because I'm hooked on it now, like a yeah. moron. Right. So um, yes, that's one division. Um, no doubt we'll keep watching it next week. Keep injecting our TV. <laughs> so this week though, uh, we decided we were going to watch a film we talked about her couple of months back now when uh, when some advertising was first done for the film uh, it's a project by Sia it's four years in the making and it's called music and we'll be talking about it after this in a world of video stores and late fees when movies ain't what they used to be one podcast will change the world They will embark on a journey to look at the good and bad movies from the golden era of home video. And things are about to get nostalgic. The VHS will rise and screaming will fall. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Dave, this has got to be the worst promo I have ever heard. No, it isn't. If you're going down the route of the video trailer, man, Dave, I want a training montage. Coming soon on a podcast near you. If you listen to one podcast this week, then you're probably listening to Joe Rogan. But if you've exhausted all of the podcasts, then the VHS Strikes Back is one to try. Here it is then. We looked at, uh, well, we watched music. Uh, over the past week, uh, this is Sia's um, self-described love letter to autism, a story of love and inclusion. Um, and it's been released this week or the past week on uh, streaming platforms uh, all over the world. Um, now, this is obviously, you know, there's a lot of sensitive subjects that come up in the film uh, and around the film itself. We, uh, if you saw, put a couple of tweets out saying how we were keen to speak to people who were either autistic themselves or who had uh, were parents of people uh, with autism. Now, we, there's a reason why the episode was delayed is because we were waiting on a few bits coming back, but for one reason or another, um, we aren't physically able to you know, include what they, what they brought us. Um, but anyway, the top and bottom of it is we are in, I think you can agree, Colm, we're not experts on autism and living with autism. Uh, sorry, that's an awful phrase. I've got corrected on that one. But living with people who are autistic, we're not educated on this at all. So we're not here to sort of mock or anything like that. We're just here to talk about our opinion and how it affected us. Yeah. I, you know, I think the overriding feedback I had 
you know, of, of coming into doing this was, again, yes, we're not experts, but what we wanted to try to do was, was understand um, the view going into this and seeing why people thought that this, was, this movie was offensive or, or, or tone deaf. That's a lot of things that you hear about this movie, it's tone deaf. Um, we obviously, again, as we say, we're not experts. So if we say something, uh, no, I'm not talking about something offensive because that's not, you know, but we don't know what yeah. people find offensive, you know, but, and that's, that's probably some of the pitfalls and hazards that we're going to kind of walk tonight because it can be difficult yeah. and it can, you know, and as I say, we're, we're not, we're not here to, uh, to judge Sia in particular for stuff that she's doing. She, she obviously, she thought that her heart was in the right place making this movie, um, but it turned out that, you know, she should have done a little bit more research. Let's just say that. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. So the movie is obviously, like I said, she has been working on this for the last four years now. Uh, she's written it, directed it, uh, wrote the music, uh, edited, and um, the results, it's, it's quite something, isn't it? Well, you can see what she is trying to go for. It's it's a music video. It's a Sia hour and forty seven minute long music video. You know, I I I I do not think that Sia would have made this movie you know five, six, seven, eight years ago. I think. There's a little bit of head, hedonism in it. I think there's a lot of vanity in it. It seems like a very much a vanity project. There's um, one piece in particular that really sort yeah. of seems to me. And yeah. We'll, yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, it, it just, it, this movie came to our attention. I think we'll probably maybe maybe speak about where it came to our attention. It was back in, in November. And Sia released the trailer for music. And then she started having spirited discussions with people on twitter what could we say spirited um i think we can say yeah she uh for me it's one of those times where you just think you know if you know if you were famous and you had twitter in your hand you could immediately speak to five million people and i think when you tweet in anger or in when you're feeling passionate about something i think you could be made to look foolish and i think she came across very badly indeed Oh, yeah, like terrible. And what I'll do is I'll give you a little taster. All right. So this is from Twitter. So this is on the 20th of November. Now, the problem with a lot of this stuff on Twitter as well is that um, obviously Sia's account is no longer there. Um, so you can't really go back and look at a lot of tweets. So you're relying on, you know, uh, you're relying on a lot of people's other feeds and people who have screen grabbed it. So this is a particular tweet. So Helen Zed, uh, hashtag blasthag, Black Lives Matter, hashtag Pride 2020 at Angel or Helen Angel. So several autistic actors, uh, myself included, responded to these tweets. Uh, we have all said we could have acted in it on short notice. Uh, these excuses, uh, Sia basically made an excuse that she couldn't find or she didn't want to put uh, an autistic person you know, under the pressure of being in the movie. Uh, these excuses. The fact of the matter is zero effort was made to include anyone who is actually autistic in this movie. And Sia's response was, maybe you're just a bad actor. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, when you're up against the fact that, obviously back in November, there wasn't a lot of the reviews, but when you're up against the fact that 
back then, people with autism would look at CA and go, fuck me, that is such a tone-deaf fucking Twitter uh, outburst. I'm not really looking forward to this movie. And then when the movie comes out, the movie's tone-deaf. You know, there's nothing really else that you can put into it. Um, You know, she... Someone else posted up. Now, this their Twitter handle was blocked. Uh, did you do any research or consult the community at all? It's very condescending to say it would be cruel uh, to consult a disabled actor. See ya. Duh. I spent three fucking years researching. I think that's why I'm so fucking bummed. It, it's so kind of... Oh, why are you not loving me? Well, I, I'm only trying. I'm only trying to to help you. Like I'm only trying to help you. I know. Listen to listen to what my vision is. So, yeah. uh, you know, I, I read an article, right? And I'll, I'll name her. Um, her name is Michelle Rennix, and it's at Junkie.com, right? So, a great line that she had at the start of her article is: "Sia is spending a lot of time on Twitter telling autistic people how they should feel." And I think that just encapsulates everything what Sia did you know, on, on Twitter. Um, it was an absolute bomb scare. Well, at first, the story of this, okay, so the story of this is about a young girl, an uh, autistic girl called Music. Um, she's about, what, 14, 15 years old, uh, lives yeah. with a grandmother, um, and the grandmother, uh, spoiler alert, passes away. And it falls upon the uh, junkie, drug-dealing... Um, <laughs> stereotypical useless older sister uh, to take care of music uh, played by Kate Hudson who is Zoo, the older sister um, yeah you know what, all I thought watching through this whole film, it, it, I mean, there's nothing Let, let's just say it straight off forget about everything else that goes with it this is not a good movie no, but what it's, it is as well is that it's a Kate Hudson movie it, yes. it, is, it is not a movie about autism uh it's not a movie about the effects of of autism it's not a movie celebrating autism it's not an a movie to understand autism it is a kate it's a kate hudson vehicle that has the caveat of an autistic sister that is it this film could have been just the same, and I, and I don't mean any offence, and this is what we said at the beginning, we don't mean offence, I'm just I'm trying to phrase it right. If music had just been a neurotypical uh, mute, so she yeah. was, you know, um, non-autistic, but she was just mute, and she, she was uh, uh, kept herself to herself didn't talk to anyone just kept herself to herself you know maybe that is on the autism spectrum this is where i don't understand but anyway i think it would not have affected it would have still been a story of zoo kate hudson being a drug dealer getting into a scrape getting back out of it appreciating a younger sister for who she is that's her story act music did not get an arc in this film at all no no and i think that is that is what the community is so annoyed about with this movie and it's the fact that I, you know yourself, I've worked in a game retailer uh, within the UK, right? Now, one of the great things about working within the game industry, even as a point of selling, you get to interact with so many people. And I got to interact with so many um, people with autism, family members who have autism, because gaming is one of those things that 
can trigger responses with autism. And they, you know, I have family members who have autism. So I, I have been around autism. So I'm not, I'm not completely, you know, deaf, uh, you know, as to what goes on. But I think what the main thing is this movie and why people are so angry about it was the depiction of autism in the movie. You know, it was, it was the shallow understanding of the actual autism itself. You know, it has the basic, you know, I wrote this down, you know, hand mannerisms, the hitting on the head, you know, yeah. it is, that is so 1970s, 1980s logic behind, now I'm not saying it is a mental illness, but that behind, beside mental illness or autism, you know, it is like this movie was made in the 80s or 70s when people didn't have that word and people didn't know what was going on. You know, even from the first from the first scene, you know, you said you said to me when I was watching it, you know, when when does that music thing happen? And I was like, it it's the first thing. Yeah, like it is the first thing in the movie. And well, look, so I mean, see, look, we yeah, let's get into the music. So this is very much it's a see a music video. It, it is. You've, you've probably got about 15 minutes to an hour of story, an hour and 10 of story, and the rest is music videos. Now, again, let's look at it from the cold light of day. Was it well shot, fun to watch? No. No. As a musical, I watched Chicago the other day. I could name two or three of the songs straight away after, you know, I can remember them. I can remember the names. <laughs> so your criticism isn't that it's offensive, is that the music No, 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 no. I'm just saying, this, <laughs> I'm we're joking, talking I'm about joking, the music. I'm joking, I'm joking. I'm so, joking. I mean, name three of the songs from this musical. Uh, Summer Days, uh, Music, and I can't remember the other thing. Nah. The only reason I know the other the ones is because it's the main, the main ones in the movie. And, I mean, the thing that struck me, and again, this might be my um, lack of education, but it's my understanding of autism or some levels on the spectrum where bright colours, garish sounds, sudden, you know, flashing images can trigger epilepsy in some people, you know, quite a lot of people with autism also have some form of epilepsy. Um, And it can also trigger sort of, um, you know, uncomfortable situation or comfortable feelings for the person with autism. I, I don't know that this is what I mean. You watch a film like this. That's... Well, you see, I know, I know what you're trying to say, and I you will say I... it right now. I know what Go you're on. trying to say, and I'm going to say it for you. All right, because this is again from Michelle Rennick's uh, Junkie.com, um, uh, her article, right? And this is the phrase that I pulled out from her. All right, sensory auto overload and photosensitive epilepsy are a common issue with uh with people with with autism right no that is that is a fact that i pulled off the internet in in three seconds see made this movie for four years and she didn't think to herself maybe bright lights people people dancing flashing lights bright colors you know high movement high level of movement all this maybe that Maybe that's not the best way to go to this movie. So, and it's the perfect example of this movie was not made to look at autism in any way, shape, or no. form. It was made for Sia's vanity project to make an hour and 47 minute long music video. And that is it. Yeah. And the thing that sticks out for me, if you really want to, I mean, again, this is just my opinion, but so 
Maggie Ziegler was cast. She has been Sia's muse, as it were. A young girl is always a dancer in of music videos or what have you. And in these music scenes, um, music appears to lose her uh, tics and physical mannerisms associated with autism. Mm -hmm. She looks more um, neurotypical. And um, it struck me that a lot of people were saying, why didn't you get somebody with autism to play somebody with autism? Mm -hmm. And she said, maybe you're not a good actor. That's what Sia said back. This role was half of being autistic. And it was half being a professional dancer. Yeah. I think Sia looked at this situation over four years and decided, made a very obvious choice to cast a dancer to act autistic than to cast somebody with autism who could dance. She put the dancing and the music ahead of the acting and the story, the, the moral compass of the story. And I think that just shows exactly what you just said. Sia made this as a music video for her and the autism bit was probably to, to help sell it. To get yeah. a bit of funding with some charities, but get a bit of yeah. tax rebate, maybe. Do maybe want, she had do you want but... do you want proof of that? <laughs> do, you go on. Solid, do you want solid concrete proof of your hypothesis, sir? Yeah, go on. So here we go. Here's a tweet from November 20th. So this is when Sia was on her Saturday night fucking rage filled, telling all the autistic people, you know, how she's right and they're wrong. And you know, why don't you just watch my movie? Mr. Autism, why don't you watch this movie? Because I, as not as being a non-autistic person, need to tell you how to enjoy my autistic movie, Mr. Um, so right, here's a tweet from November 20th. Uh, okay. This was the this is this this is the first one. So this was somebody said something to her and then she replied to it. It's a mighty shame that someone with such a colossal platform is using it to exclude disabled and neurodiverse actors from their own narratives. I've been a long fan of your work, so this is really disappointing. So this is Celia. I cast 13 neurotypical people, three trans folk, and not as fucking prostitutes or drug addicts, but as doctors, nurses, and singers. Fucking sad. Nobody's even seen the dying movie. My heart has always been in the right place. Right? Now, after that tweet, she then went on to say that she, she tried to hire a... Um, neurotypical person to play to play music and that it was too hard for her to do it right and that was her comeback on going you why didn't you why didn't you put somebody who isn't neurotypical in it right so this is from january she was on channel seven in australia and she said this it was about maddie ziegler being in the movie i guess it is ableism but nepotism as well because i can't do a project without her I, d I don't want to, and I wouldn't make art if it didn't have her. There you go. So at what point did she hire the actress, decided it was too bad? Was, was Maddie Ziegler in the Kate Hudson character? Did she play Ebo? You know, was she, was she George, the landlord? You know, at, at what point did Maddie Ziegler come into this movie? So if you're going to lie, at least fucking be consistent with your lies. Maddie Ziegler has been in all of other Sears videos. And this isn't, well, it is a trashing of Sears, but uh, this is getting to the crux of what we're talking about this film. This film is, you know, it's divided people and it's come one way or the other. And this is how we feel. But. And do you know what? Do you know what the best, you know what the worst thing is, Paul? Right. The worst thing at all is 
We still haven't even discussed the blackface. Nah, that's two minutes into the movie. We haven't got there yet. But one, th- one last thing, one last word on Sia, then we'll just trash her work instead of her. In this film, which she has made four years, to, taken four years to make, Sia has a cameo. The wig yeah. comes off. She's got um, a makeup face mask on. And she is the customer, a high, I think they called her Sia. I think she plays a yeah, version. Oh, yeah, yeah, she was. Yeah, a yeah. fictional version of herself. And she's buying all these pills off Zoo. And is it that she's planning on sending them to kids in Africa or something? I, I think that's the the joke, the end joke. That's the that, joke that's going on. Yeah, that musicians musicians are all massive drug dealers and drug or sorry drug users, and that to hide the fact that they're using so much drugs. The way I took that scene was that she's going to a party with a lot of her her fucking music friends, and right, she wants okay. as many drugs as possible. You know, I read and the way- review that it was sort of a piss take on that, but it wouldn't surprise me. You know, do you know what? Who knows? You know, the 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 thing of Sia being in this movie, I wrote it down. Like, why why is she in here? Pop stars without borders is is the joke that she made. You know, oh, that's it. Doc, that's doctors it. without borders, yeah. And yeah. it's it, it's again, it's not helping her argument, and it's not helping. You know, when people are saying that the movie is completely tone deaf, because that was just a fucking complete right turn. You know that oh, yeah. yes. Her, her scene in the movie is, oh, yeah, so Zoo sells drugs to, to, to live. Zoo sells drugs. And she has a drug dealer friend played by Ben Schwartz, who is brilliant in this movie, I may add. He is great in this movie. He's a very funny guy, and I really like Ben Schwartz. Weedy white, young white guy plays... Um, no, no, I like Ben Schwartz. Gangster rap drug dealer. No, I've seen it all I, before. Gary Oldman did it in True Romance, and nobody else has done it better since. Well, listen, there's another one. Gary Oldman in True Romance. Was he Jamaican or was he playing Jamaican? I don't know. Was he playing some was he playing an Ali G type character? I don't know. Anyway, we're not getting into that. <laughs> but, okay, so Maddie Ziegler, let's get into it. So she was 14 when they started making this. She's about well, I think she said the she had she's about 19 now. Yeah. Um She's very young to be taking on this. And for me, from what you just said there about, uh, from what Sia was saying, this seems like it's a very safe film with trying to pin the the autism message on. It's wanting to be the autism film. Yeah. Because literally, like I say, you could switch uh, music out for anybody else and the story would still go as it is. And... um. She's got a lot on her shoulders, but I think this was this was going to be her coming out, her becoming a star. She was in the Sia film. She took on the 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 the, the autism role. This will be your you know your Tom Hanks, Forrest Gump, or yeah. Leonardo DiCaprio in Gilbert Grape. Well, I think I, mean, I, I think like... she was. I think this is showcasing her muse, the the girl she can't do anything without, and, and I just found it distasteful. But how how do we look? at Maddie Ziegler, right? So when you look at it and you go, right, she's 14, 15 when she makes this movie. When she started making this movie, she was 14, okay? Right? She's 14. So she's been in all these same. We've, we've seen the interview with Sia where she says that, you know, Maddie Ziegler asked her, you know, I don't want to be offensive to people in this movie. And Sia said she wouldn't allow that to happen. I won't allow that to happen. Um, unfortunately, you know, it, it has happened. Um, you know, a 14-year-old girl has played 
played type in an autistic movie. Um, I don't think she understands or had the capability to understand. And I know these kids grow up in fucking Hollywood and shit like that there. And, you know, I don't think she has understood um, what autism is. And I believe that she has put her faith in the fact that Sia and the people around her do. Um, and I, she I, has... I, I, I may be doing a disservice, but I can imagine Sia and people Sia was paying a lot of money to as advisors gave her a load of videos to watch. And so that's yeah, how... But, but that's it's how worse than that. But it's worse than that. You know, there, there's, the, there's the possibility that... And I'm not saying it's true, but there's a possibility this young girl could have been bullied into being in this movie. Now, backtrack a wee bit on that. Um, you know, whenever the movie came out, and you know, God only knows how and why people have nominated this for for Gold Globes. Uh, Kit Hudson gave a, a a so-so performance. You know, she's 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 passable in the movie. You know, I'm not I'm not yeah. saying she's not. Um, but it's been nominated as well for best uh, musical slash comedy. Best musical comedy, yeah. Yeah, along with like Borat and um, what else? There's another Hamilton. Um, and, and you know, and one of the songs, one of the CS songs been nominated for best song as well. And you're sitting, yeah. but I'm sitting looking at that and she, Maddie Ziegler is so positive about the movie and so pro this movie whenever, you know, Kate Hudson was nominated, she was on Instagram straight away. Oh, I can't wait for people to see this movie. I can't wait. So she, she must have some part of her look at this movie and go, yeah, that's a good movie. I'm I'm happy with my performance. Oh yeah. And fair play to and, it. You know what? She's she's obviously in a position where she's working with one of the biggest pop stars on the planet. Um, but she's a young girl taking on a very challenging role. And there's yeah. a reason why people like Tom Hanks and Leonardo DiCaprio do it. I I and you can't I can't I sat today and tried to write think of other roles where people played somebody autistic and I couldn't I couldn't think of any. Only only one. And that that is Dustin Hoffman in Rain Man. Rain Man. And yeah. so that's 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 is the well there there was other there's other actors who've been autistic in movies as well that obviously weren't as yeah you know what this is. So I look I look back on movies and there are there are many interpretations of autism within movies and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna name them all because we'll be here all night. Yeah. Um but I think I think when you look back now, again, I am not referencing this as a mental illness. I'm not rep- representing this as a disability. I'm not doing that at all. But what I'm kind of putting it under the branch kind of aspect of is at, at what point, why, why does Daniel Day-Lewis win an Oscar for my left foot playing Christy Brown? Mm-hmm. Why does Dustin Hoffman get regularly put down as Rain Man being his best performance? Why... Does Leonardo DiCaprio, you know, always get lauded for what's eating Gilbert Grape? You know, wh- why? Come, Tom Hanks won, Tom Hanks won it for fun. Yeah. Why? 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 Why does that happen? Why? And even now, like I was thinking even broader than that, you know, because people keep talking now about ableism and um, representation of, of, you know, certain groups within movies and why is there this? Why, you know, we spoke about uh, M. Night Shyamalan on Last Airbender. You know, we spoke about that. Um Liam Neeson, you know, as Oscar Schindler in Schindler's List, you know, you things like that. So why do they get a pass, but Maddie Ziegler and Sia don't? This is what I said to you when before we started recording. Actually, is it because all those 
roles that you're talking about were well performed. Christy Brown won an Oscar. Rain Man won an Oscar. Leonardo DiCaprio set him set his whole career up on it. Tom Hanks won an Oscar. I am Sam. You know, but should nominated. that be enough? But should that be enough? What? So we look down. We we're disgusted by it if it's not a good performance. Yeah, Robert Downey Jr. and uh, Tropic yeah. Thunder. Yeah, he got nominated for an Oscar. I've not so heard anybody. I've not heard. I've not heard anybody discuss. You know that. No, but it, it, a few people mentioned it, but then everyone kind of just went, "Ah, oh, no, you." Because the whole point, yeah. We, let's not get into that one until we do Tropic Thunder. But uh, <laughs> this is what we're thinking today: is the reason why people, you know, is it one of those things where you, you try it, and if you fuck up, if you do, if you do well, you could be winning an Oscar. I mean, fuck, it's a shit film, and they're getting nominated for a Golden Globe. So imagine what they'd have done if it was a good performance, if it was a great film. Yeah. But if you get it wrong, it's a fucking car crash. And it, like, and it's and autism now is one of those well, it's not it's always been one of those things that unless you educate people enough to understand and not make it a special feature and, and you just make it part of your films of everyday life, if people don't understand it enough. I don't understand it enough. Watching this, I was supposed to come out of this. I'm thinking music is going to be the centerpiece of this film. I'm going to understand her story, what she's going through, uh, understand how life is difficult for her from through her eyes. And instead, we got a story about Kate Hudson's zoo not losing some pills. Yeah. No, it's perfect. And I think that 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 is that is the problem with it. It's not, and you know, I, I hate this fucking this bullshit that Kate Hudson comes out. You know, we're listening, we hear you, we're, we're here, we hear you. No, no, yes. no, you should you should have been listening four years ago. You know, you should or have educated ago, you, two years yeah, ago. Or, yeah, yeah, you should have you should have educated yourself that, that length of time ago. You should have looked into this. You should have understood the fucking the, the pitfalls. You should have understood, uh, you know, the the, the quagmire of what this could cause not only you know casting somebody who is not uh, uh, somebody with autism not only that but the pure and simple fact that you didn't look into this at all and you've looked at one uh, you know 1970s 1980s version of autism and you've put that on film well they've also um part of this is a next door neighbor uh, you mentioned him before, Ebo, uh, played by Leslie Odom Jr., uh, one of the stars of Hamilton, which you mentioned. Mm-hmm. What a Fantastic. voice. Amazing. If you like his voice, watch Hamilton. Please watch Hamilton. But he's outstanding. Oh, as thousands uh, of times. A couple of times, a couple of times. And he's also starred in uh, One Night in Miami that I'm going to watch uh, very soon. Uh, he plays Sam Cooke in that. And uh, you know what? Fantastic voice, can dance. I think he's got a great screen presence in this i think he was probably one of the most more interesting characters out, apart from music i don't think there were many other characters in this other than the sort of the big the the big big lad who lived over the road was he who, who got the dog felix, in the end, but felix was his name um, felix well the the character's name is, is i want to actually speak about him because okay you we'll know, to it felix chang he's played by better better uh cavalio or cavilio um, okay. I thought he was the best part of the movie, but we'll get on him. Well, Ebo, um, when Zoo first takes custody of music, um, music has a, a, an episode, as it were. If the, there probably is another word for it, and I'm very sorry, but where she starts hitting herself in the head and screaming and is uncontrollable. 
and this is in the park the first one was it in the park the first one no no, oh, no the first the, one, the first one is the first morning when she wakes up yeah. and kate hudson and zoo can't, can't understand what she means by braiding hair makes... where's your hair uh, that's it braiding hair and ebo proceeds to pin music down this is a, a grown man pins a teenage girl fist to face down on the floor and restrains her now the one thing i've learned i think i knew before that is nobody likes being restrained especially yeah. somebody in, a, in an emotional state of, of panic and sia was supposed to have either removed these scenes or put a warning beforehand now i i wanted to look at these scenes and i look at it in two points of view okay the first one is this Ebo is a, an African character. He's from, he's from Africa. His family were over there. And he says his brother had autism or, or his brother was like that. Because one thing we'll, I'm going to mention at the end, but I'm going to say it again. They never use the word autism in this film. I never heard it once. No, I never heard it once either. Autism, autistic, nothing. They never mentioned it. It's the autism film that celebrates in love and inclusion and they never address it face on. Anyway. And he says his brother was like that or was like music. And this is what we used to do. We used to pin him down with love and they restrained him to the floor. Now, a lot of what I've been reading online from people who are autistic or parents with people with autism is restraining is just stop. Stop doing it. Stop teaching it. Stop suggesting it's useful. And this film could have addressed that by having somebody challenge him and say, no, that's not what you do. This is what you do. But instead, they kept it in. And then later on, <laughs> they did it again. <laughs> Sue, and he's, he's like, oh, what do I do? Pin her down with love. And at that point, somebody coming and coming. Hector down the corridor, or whatever his name was, could have come in and gone, the fuck are you doing? Get off yeah. her. This is how you... And that's where you start educating people. You address the bad habits and the bad... Um, advice of people and you go no that's bullshit stop doing it but instead they did it twice yeah and he reinforced it by saying yeah do it and it worked that's the problem it yeah worked. If i mean it, that's it's it's called it's called prone restraint right okay that's, that that's what it's called and as you say and again i'm not an expert but on the reading that i've been doing over the last week it is one of those things that is very much frowned upon number one within the, the autism um, you know community uh, the obviously the, the social workers and things like that there but also the medical community uh, you know you you can seriously damage someone and to have the line you know as you say have it as an educational piece use the correct term use use the prone restraint don't say I'm crushing her with my love and he said it several times to yeah. her whilst he was on top of her I'm crushing you with my love. And again, uh, I'm okay. Um, this guy is from an African country. I didn't even mention back in his village or something. Um, to to use that sort of using sort of somebody's history and a, the geography of Africa, almost suggesting that this guy from this village used to do th does things that are wrong and shouldn't be taught. And how how stupid of them not to understand back in his village. You know they don't understand. But it does it, and it works. Yeah. That's the key difference. If it it should have not worked, and she tried something different, you know. And I don't. And even now, I don't know what you would do to somebody in that situation with autism. You know, I, I don't know what to do. But yeah. it wouldn't be a restraint. But in the film, they had a prime example, prime opportunity for Kate Hudson to be restraining her. It's still not working, 
and instead gets her up, sits her down, tries different things, braids her hair. You know what I mean? It, it, it was an opportunity to educate and they fucked it. And that's yeah. why this, yeah, anyway. Well, I think another thing that I picked up on this movie as well is how fucking horrible of a character is Zoo. Oh, she's right. Like, 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 and like, not even to the point of even, even her redeeming thing, you know, at the end of the movie, the redeeming thing was out of guilt. Yeah. Not out of any, you know, I, I don't believe out of any love. I don't believe it is. It just seemed to me that it was guilt. And then even the end of the movie, you know, I, I don't know. Do you, do you want to speak about the end or? Yeah, go on, let's get there. Okay. So, I'll put it like this, right? I wrote down points where Kate Hudson is just not a great person in this movie, right? Or sorry, Zoo, Kazoo, right? Number one, she tries to get music. She tries to get... Yeah, Kazoo. So she tries to get people picked up uh, or or, or music picked up by some nurses. So the first night she's there, she rings up some nurses and tries to get her picked up like a delivery service, right? So... Then when she goes to her drug dealer friend to get more drugs and then she shorts him on money and then he still gives her drugs for some reason. I don't know why. Um, he says, you know, process it. Your grandmother's died. And she says it several times and looks at him and goes, I, I don't care, Rudy. Like, I, I don't I don't care she died. I, like, I, I don't care. She That's another know. one. So, you know, constantly dumping music. She leaves music in the apartment by herself. She goes out and gets hammered in a bar you know, and leaves music in the house by herself, you know, not thinking about it. Um, leave her in the house alone. She puts her in a fucking home at the end of the movie. Then, you know, music holds the the necklace around her neck, you know, that she, that she thought that she lost. And yeah. the only way that I can pick that movie up is, or that thing up is that by, by touching the necklace, she realizes that she could lose music but she was fucking giving her away. Yeah. So th- that whole scene. So then she comes out like the hero. Ah, yeah, breaking open the door and the music plays loud. And yeah, I'm taking her away. You fucking put her there. Don't don't come out as don't come out as a hero. And then the end. So Ebo, the whole during the movie, oh, we haven't even spoke about you know the the HIV uh, you know aspect of the movie as well. Um, you know Ebo doesn't want to have a close relationship with with Zoo. Because he is worried that his HIV will, might be contracted by her, you know, and she finds out about this because the drug dealer who she completely steps by money all the time, uh, who she never pays on time, who she takes drugs off, um, trusts her to give him his HIV medicine. <laughs> so... The whole arc of the movie was that, and obviously we learned then that his wife left him for his brother, probably due to the HIV. I don't know, it wasn't really explained that well during the movie. But then at the end, Kate Hudson kind of runs up and hugs Ebo and, you know, oh, you know, I I, I need help, blah, 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 blah. And the only thing that I could think of was the only reason she is asking him to love her is she needs help with music. And I know that's a really bad oh, thing no. to have in your head. You watch it. No, you're absolutely 100% right. She does nothing in this film up to an hour and 30 minutes in where she gives her away, gives her up, doesn't want her. She sees one thing and thinks, I actually want my sister. I want to include her. And this is, again, it's Sia 
telling all us, he, if she can accept her, so can you. You yeah. should accept. like like it's something not celebrate. Yeah, like it's something that you need to fucking accept. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Oh well. And she accepts this, it. This is my luck. Uh-huh. What else has she done? What else did she do in this whole film? Nothing. That one she... moment. She will, and like you say, I do. I would not be surprised because she is a manipulative bitch. She doesn't just switch into this wholesome person or in an instant. So she, yeah, one hundred percent. I think she's getting him on side because he, she sees how good Ebo is with yeah. music. Yeah, and you know another thing as well is how remarkable does that fucking insane cut on her face heal in thirty days? Oh yeah. Like almost overnight. Like it, madness. Like she falls on the step, smashes her face open. Like you can see the gaping cut on the top yeah. of her nose. And then there's a scene, you know, obviously when she's trying to get clean, and you know, it's her and and music are having some happy moments. And then, you know, she does the piss test and stuff, and the girl asks her, you know, how long have you been clean? 30 days. And you're like, Well, hold on. That whole montage that led up to that bit where she said 30 days, mm-hmm. that was before the 30 days. So that fucking insane cut in her face has has, has healed. Yeah. Ah, well, whatever. That's the small bit of the movie. <laughs> That's the small bit. Um, so Rotten Tomatoes, uh, 43 reviews so far. It's got it at 12% rotten. Um, 15% audience score on 250 reviews. Now, Rotten Tomatoes, you've got to be verified and have, you know, to leave the rotten reviews and everything. But um, one of the ones is Google Google reviews. This has got it at 2.1%. Now, what actually surprised me, well, at first I thought I was surprised, it's about 70% one-star reviews, about 30% five-star reviews, and nothing in between. You've literally got people voting it on Google reviews for one star, and then you've probably got all Sears fans bombarding it with five-star reviews saying oh, yeah. how fantastic it is. But even, but even on the other end of that spectrum as well is, I can guarantee you that there's thousands of people who haven't even watched the movie that rated it zero stars or one star. Oh, yeah, hundreds. I'm Agent Scott. And I'm Cam, the provocateur. And together we are the Spy Hearts Podcast. Every Tuesday, we decode the best and the worst of spy cinema to decipher if they make the knock list. That's right. The knock list is the need to see official classics of the spy genre. The best of the best, so to speak. Nobody does it better. From Born to Bond and Powers to Palmer, you can bet we will cover it. So subscribe now and revel in the audio equivalent of a smooth martini. Just search for SpyHards, that's S-P-Y-H-A-R-D-S, on all major podcast apps. And let's just hope you find us before we find you. There we go, then. We did as best with that. Um, Obviously, try to be respectful, but look, long and short of it, it's a poor film. I always judge a film by what it sets out to do. You know, the reason why I hate, hate Batman vs. Superman so much is because it set out, I set out to watch it as a Batman vs. Superman film and I got about 10 minutes of it and that's what pissed me off. If a film sets out to be a love letter to life and inclusion and uh, and a celebration of autism and, and those people who have it and it doesn't deliver that, then I'm going to rip it to pieces. Well, and... I'm, go- I'm going to say these two tweets, right? Because I think these kind of, these kind of sum it up, and the time of them sums it up pretty well as well, right? So this is Sia on the 3rd of February, 2021. This year, not that long ago, three weeks ago. Music in no way condones or recommends the use of restraint on autistic people. 
There are artistic occupational therapists that specialize in sensory processing who can be consulted uh, to explain safe ways to provide uh, proper receptive deep pressure feedback to help with meltdown safety. Second one, I plan to remove the restraint scenes from all future printings. I listened to the wrong people and that is my responsibility. My research was clearly not thorough enough, not wide enough. And directly after that tweet, she closed down her Twitter account. So not like, here, here's what annoys me about it right now. Uh, again, this is, this is what will finish me up on this, right? Here's what annoys me about it, right? It's taken her to the 3rd of February to acknowledge that. So she's seen a final cut of this movie in November. God knows how many other people have seen the final cut of this movie, right? They've seen the, the prone restraint scenes the two prone restraint scenes in, in this movie, and not one person brought it up. So on her thorough research, and you know, she can't even accept that it was her. Oh, I listened to the wrong people. No, accept the responsibility that you have fucked up and apologize and move on. Don't, don't try to bring other people into this. And that's what annoys me about it. I'll leave it at that. So... Next week, next episode. Zombies. 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 Korean zombies. Honestly, oh, you want to talk about the, the game zombies that we play every time you're over here? The one that Rachel and I play, and you just cheat your way through. Just to, cheat, cheat, cheat. Just we played get... three times. How many times have you won, Paul? Count all the times. Count the legal Zero. times. No, excuse me. <laughs> I have. How many times have you won legally? Twice. Twice. No. no. Paul, do, you, do we need it? Do we need to get into the fact that I actually Facebooked the creator of the game, and he we'll, he totally legitimized my win? Do we need we'll it? Talk, to, do we need to talk We'll about talk this? about this next week. We'll talk okay. about this next week. Okay. Nice. Um. So next week is going to be um, zombies with Train to Busan, and if you're feeling sexy, watch the sequel called Peninsula. Oh, God. How, how am I going to get these movies, or are they on uh, uh, social media? Train to Busan, I think, is on Netflix. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. Peninsula. Okay. Um, Peninsula. Let's have a look. Because I'll be honest, I haven't actually seen Peninsula yet. I, I could have seen it on the Garami Harties, but I didn't want to ruin it. Um, you can watch it on Sky Store, or you can rent it on Amazon. Uh, for two pounds fifty. Two pounds fifty. That's it. That's good. I'll, I'll be watching for ranking. Um, yeah, watch that tonight. Fantastic. Uh, Peninsula is also on rental somewhere, but yeah, we'll watch that. Um, so we're going to do that next week. the The week after that is going to be coming to America because that's out on the fourth of March. Is that right? Fourth uh, of March. Yeah. Yep. Then the following week. Uh, is the week before um, Snyder Cut comes out. So I think we should do Joss, Whedon, Joss Whedon's Justice League, name Redacted's Justice League. <laughs> and then the following week, the Snyder Cut. So we'll do them one after the other. And then it's your birthday. So it'll be your pick. Happy then... birthday. Happy fact, birthday. Wait, what day is your birthday again? 25th of March. How many 25th years of, of March, people. How many uh-huh. years have I known you? Oh, 
Close to 20. <laughs> and every every single year I have to ask you what dating match it is. <laughs> so this is how it's gonna go. Next episode, train to Bruce on. Okay. The following week, coming to America. Well, do you want do you want to do an Eddie Murphy menu or just do coming to America? Yeah, let's do an Eddie Murphy menu. Yeah. So that's the the following week. A week after that is name redacted's Justice League. The week after that is the Snyder Cup. And then the following week is your birthday episode. So I want you to pick a subject, an oh, actor, geez. an actor, uh, um, a, a genre, a country, a, a type of vehicle, anything at all. And I am going to present to you a birthday menu of films to watch. Irish Republicanism. <laughs> <laughs> right, Boondock Saints. <laughs> Boondock Saints two. <laughs> Boondock Saints two. Uh, the Devil's Own. The Devil's Own. Quadrifit. And... No, not Quadrifit. <laughs> Commitments. <laughs> what was that movie with um, Richard Gere? Had the really bad one. The Jackal. The Jackal. Legit- oh Jesus! Don't watch it. I tried. Awful, I tried. To, I tried to watch the Jackal about. I, I showed Rachel it. It was six months ago. And I put it on and I was like, oh, you know what? It, the accents are bad, but the movie's okay. 10 minutes and I was like, I can't fucking watch this. So there we go. Train to be on Eddie Murphy menu, which we're going to both prepare together. Name redactors, Justice League. Then we're going to do the Snyder Cut into March, followed by uh, I'm going to make you... A Paul, Paul's introduction to Irish Republicanism. <laughs> Irish Republicanism. No, from no, point no, of view. no. Yeah, Irish, Ireland. An Irish movie menu. Okay. Just, just as long. Listen, right. I'm going to put something in here. Okay. <laughs> because, <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> uh, I don't want, I don't want Darby O'Gill. <laughs> I don't want to have to watch PS. I love you again. You know, so no, we've done that. Do, you, you have to do some thinking about this movie. Okay. Oh, yes. You have to, you have, you oh, have yes. to do, you have to do thinking. All right. Oh, yes. Oh, I'm I'm really really not looking forward to this, Tyler. <laughs> there's nothing worse. There's nothing worse than listening to people do really bad accents. And unfortunately, the Irish accent is by far the worst accent that has ever been put on celluloid. I I um suggested they call it Greenface. People who act Irish who aren't. <laughs> I agree with you. I'm there. Great face. It's first, next first person, the first fucking person put to the firing squad will be the... uh, your man, fucking Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Jeffrey Dean Morgan from PS I Love You. An yeah. awful example of green face. Pretending he's Irish badly. Yeah. and Green tongue. We'll call it green tongue. Green, green tongue. tongue. Green tongue. Right. Anyway, bye-bye, everyone. Love. Peace and love. <laughs> I was